Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Vicky McLeod. This time around, I'm talking to Irish athlete Sam Stewart. He tells me about martial arts, coping with injury, and what life is like for him as a professional crossfitter. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome, Sam Stewart, to the Europe is Coming podcast. I'm super happy to have you on the show today. You are currently sitting 35th worldwide and 7th in Europe. How does that feel? That's, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean... It's it's pretty temporary. It's a temp- pretty temporary result because uh, it all kind of matters later down the line. But for now, that's a good indication that things are going okay. How did you find the quarterfinal workouts? What did you think of them? Uh, I liked them. I thought they were kind of like kind of similar to last year's ones. I felt they were all kind of like a um, not. A, I think rehash wouldn't be the right word, but uh, like a continuation from last year's workouts. The kind of the, the order, the style, the um, they're kind of all just uh, kind of similar. Like the wall balls were tested in a longer duration capacity. The the sprint workout still had burpee box jump overs and the same weight snatch. Um, there was pistols and GHD combo. Uh, and what else was there? Hands, handstand, handstand push-ups. push-ups. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. And then a strength test kind of fresh so mm. um very similar just kind of slightly it's like someone copied someone else's homework but they said uh <laughs> change change a few words there <laughs> yeah that's true um where did you do the workouts um have you got a, a local affiliate that you train at? yeah so i train at a, a, the local affiliate and i do a bit of coaching there at a chapter two fitness in dublin and uh, i did the first workout on the Thursday evening, even though they were all leaked early, but uh, I kind of wanted to wait until just in case I said you have to say some sort of password into the camera or there were some standards that like there was kind of some standards we still needed to hash out before um, you could just get underway with the workout. So I did the first lifting one on the Thursday, then I did the workouts one and two on Friday and workouts three and five i think were the last two ones on saturday mm-hmm. yeah so you didn't wait until the last minute on sunday no i kind of wanted to not train on sunday or do any workouts i wanted to have sunday off so um yeah i got them done how do you feel about this the poor people who've managed to like miss the deadline for uploading their workouts there's been a couple of uh, like manon agones in Belgium and now Annika Greer as well in the UK in um, the US have both like lost their seasons because of technology problems. Yeah, that's uh, that's. I think it's just absolutely shit. Um, like they, if they have evidence to prove that their workout was done prior to the thing, and like I don't think, yeah, if they can prove that it was clearly done before the deadline and they made an attempt to do it because she obviously said she put it in her phone and uh, it just didn't. I don't know if it's like Wi-Fi or whatever, but it just didn't go through. But like, I think, um, like, I think if she can prove that she did the workout, she has a video. She did the workout. It wasn't anything but her phone's fault. I think 
that's not testing for the you know you're not testing you're testing for the fittest on earth not the the best uh, internet connection on earth you know <laughs> you, need, you need to uh they need to just realize okay well she did it it was a simple mishap um like she's good like if it happened to someone who was like five thousand on the leaderboard first of all they probably wouldn't care as much and second of all there would be it wouldn't like no offense to the person who's five thousand, but they're probably not going. They're not moving on. You know, the season's ending regardless at that point. For the person who's the capacity they're to move not, forward, they should be given yeah. a little bit of they're assistance. Not their living. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it, it's not a. It's not like a make or break for your profession. Mm. If you're five thousandth or fiftieth, it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah. What would? How would you cope if that something like that happened to you? Oh, I'd be. Would you mega look- pissed off? Like you'd be you'd be heartbroken and outraged um I, and I, I think it's like if she i still think if she can prove it you know she's not gaining it's not like she's doing this for a tactical advantage she she did the workout before the deadline it's you know she has evidence of that it's not like she was waiting to the last not like even waiting to the last second would give you some sort of um better score or anything you know it's just like no the more you put it off the worse you, the more you overthink it but CrossFit's pretty famous. <clears throat> CrossFit's pretty famous for like our decision is final. I don't think they've ever gone back on a decision. Yeah, that's just stubbornness. I think they should uh, show a bit of compo- like a bit of empathy for the situation and kind of it's it's a it's a pretty rare case. It's not like this is happening every second week. You know, it's once a year. You know, they're giving athletes the one chance per year. If there's only one quarterfinals a year. They should be able to. Uh, you know, it's and it's it's a complete mishap thing. It's not any any like she was pushing the line of close to cheating on anything. It was just a freak kind of incident sort of thing. Um, if it was like her trying to get an advantage or her her video wasn't like it would be a different thing if her she did submit the video and like like complete it was like a complete false video or something. But uh, I'm sure her video is fine. <laughs> yeah. You qualified last year to go to the games, but in the end you didn't compete. And uh, and I know you had to withdraw because of a bicep injury. How are you now? All good now. Yeah, totally, totally good. I've, I'm sure everyone, everyone competing at this level has one or two minor things always going on, like an achy knee or a, a shoulder that doesn't uh, cooperate. But nothing. Mm. I have nothing major um, bothering me now at the moment. How did you do it? Was it a strain or yeah, injury it was, during lifting? Yeah, it was a strain. Um, I had a kind of a sore shoulder going in. So I think the whole, this side of my body was kind of um, not on its best form going into the games. And then we, I think it's two things. I think we, because I kayaked for about an hour with a shoulder that probably wasn't in its best position, probably uh, was like just kind of not in its optimal position. Then the next event was go and flip the, um, the pig so I flipped the pig up I did all the muscle-ups and I was on the way back and it kind of just I just felt something kind of just feel I don't know how to describe it, it was kind of just weird up through my arm into my shoulder um, and I didn't really notice at the time because obviously you're kind of hyped and in the middle of the workout and then later that day as stuff went on I was like oh that's like it hurts to lift my arm this way and then at the last workout of the day was um, thrusters and wall walks and my shoulder had very little stability and I could I couldn't pull the I could barely pull the bar off the ground from the clean. That was the hardest part. Once I got it kind of overhead, it was 
wasn't pleasant, but it was fine. Um, but I couldn't pull from the clean or like getting into front rack comfortably. So I kind of just, I couldn't really do that workout properly at all. And then the next workout was Friday and I had rope climbs and that was kind of the end of it because there was no hope doing a rope climb at that point. My arm just didn't work right. Who are you traveling with? I mean, when you're away from home and you get an injury, how do you, how do you cope with that? Um, well, I think an injury bothers you no matter if you're home or away, like it's, it's kind of right here and now. Um, you know, some people like they have their, maybe their coping mechanisms or their parents or something when they're at home. But I just find like, I'll, I'll have to just, regardless of who's around me, it's my injury and I have to deal with it myself. But I did, I was lucky enough to have my coach and, and all the other team from uh, training think tank there. And they have a, a guy, Kyle is one of the physios that works for them. He was, um, pretty helpful like he's very calming and kind of doing stuff and treating me because he had a day off between and we were doing lots of stuff that day and i was doing all the all the all the treatments that you could imagine you know icing putting tape on uh the the cupping with the the suction things and all sorts yeah i've had it all yeah did did the needle did the needles come out i think so they must have i i I do like a good needling mm-hmm there's, I mean, I, I think most athletes have got some favorite form of body work. We have um, a guy who uh, is uh, lives and works in Mallorca, and he's legendary for being able to create more pain after you play yeah. than when you go, you go ice. But like within about within about an hour later, you feel amazing again. It's like a magic hands. But so you have to really trust those people that they're what they're doing is going to help you rather than make it worse. Oh, totally. You're kind of you're putting a lot of faith because your body is your um is your main tool for your, I guess, at a high level CrossFitter is your income, you know, your body, it, you, you need to take care of it. And then if you're putting it in someone else's hands, you have to really trust them. I'm pretty fortunate. I know I go to a chiropractor every week and he, I guess he knows everything. I don't even have to tell him what's wrong. He can just like, like knows my body so well now that he'd be like, Oh, is this sore? And I'd be like, yes, actually, how did you know? And uh, I get body work done as well once a week. You've been um, at at the CrossFit game since 2015. You started to do the Open. And I wondered when you actually made the decision to turn pro, how far along the game were you? Yeah, so I actually started CrossFit, I think, more in like 2011 when I was in school. But I, I think I did mm-hmm. the – I remember doing the, the 12.1 CrossFit Open workout with just the burpees. I did that in uh, school. The seven minutes of burpees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that everyone's yeah. favorite um, and then so I've been doing it a while but it wasn't like at no point was it uh, kind of considered a, a profession or anything it's just a form of fitness because I was doing martial arts at the time it was almost to help um, be fitter and I really enjoyed it that was probably the main reason then I think when I finished school I, I had kind of thought I was doing it pretty well but then the open comes around and humbles you and you're like okay well this is not this is not the uh this is not a good level that or at least the level you think you're at so i then knuckled down so this is probably 2017 and then knuckled down after the open and then the next year was when so that whole year i guess it turned a bit more professional that is professional in the sense that i committed time not that i was getting paid mm. but um, uh, and then i made it to regionals the following year 
So what, what did you always want to be an athlete then? If it wasn't CrossFit, would it be martial arts? Yeah, I think uh, I think I always wanted to be an athlete. Maybe since I was about like eleven or twelve when I started doing martial arts. Um, it was a funny. It was it's it was kind of funny because when I first started doing martial arts, it was kind of a nerdy thing to do. It's like, you know, it wasn't considered cool in any way. And then along comes like someone like Conor McGregor makes uh, makes it very popular for a while. And now every second person in the country thinks they're uh, going to be the next um, mixed martial arts champion of the world. So I was doing it kind of before that and then during the, the his kind of rise. So that at least popularized the sport I was doing at the time. Um, so you were doing it before it was cool. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Um, Trendsetting. Yeah. No, but uh, like, so it was kind of funny because you went from that guy who's doing that nerdy martial arts what are you doing that for that's not rugby that's not one of the cool sports and then suddenly it's like you've got you've been doing it four years and it's it's the biggest sport in the country and so it's a it was a quick uh turnaround um and now it's obviously huge um but then i think towards the end of school i kind of went towards crossfit a bit more i was kind of doing both but i started going towards crossfit and the kind of just going to the gym more then the martial arts because it's the last year of school i want had exams and stuff i didn't want to be getting punched in the face all the time i'd rather just uh, go to the gym and keep my face unpunched what um the discipline level that you have to have in in martial arts and the the um reaction time as well how would you how would you be able to use that in crossfit do you think because it helped you um, I think one of the biggest things from martial arts was the discipline, of course, and then the, um, but that comes from the goal setting. Set. But the goal setting in martial arts is it's kind of laid out for you in such a way that it's okay. You want to get your first belt; it's this color, then your second belt, and it's there's a there's criteria for each stage, and you know the criteria ahead of time. You're like, okay, I got to get practice this, and then do this, and I'll eventually test for my next belt, which, and I'll tick off all the boxes so it's kind of it kind of set that it kind of showed you especially from a young age so okay if i follow the uh stages and progressions and go one step at a time i will get the results um and it's it's not as clearly laid out in crossfit like you know it's you're either you do the open you see what happens and you move on it's only once a year as well so there's a lot more especially for people who haven't uh, done sports before there's a lot more pressure or self-induced pressure on yourself to do well because you only get a chance to test yourself once a year officially i guess so people build it up build it up put it on a pedestal and um, it's a big deal it's a massive deal but think about it if you're doing a crossfit open style thing every three weeks or every few months you know you'd, you'd uh you'd deal with it a lot better it wouldn't be such a you know wouldn't be wouldn't leave you with such a heavy heart i guess every time and um, so that kind of thing with the constant um testing of yourself the constant like reflection on of what am i doing here and then the, the constant uh goal setting of the small the goals equaling the big ones that really gave me a good kind of focus and i guess discipline for training uh crossfit but i guess it's less applicable in crossfit because there's only the one test a year given that there's only one test of, ye- of the year for most people i guess yeah it, yeah it must have been heartbreaking when you had to withdraw last summer yeah, it was it was it was shit. It wasn't wasn't fun in any way. Um, 
I try and be pretty present, I guess. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to like, oh, this is, this is the end of the world. I was like, well, in the scheme of things, I have a sore arm and I'm playing the sport, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can get, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was a bit numb in the mind at the time. I wasn't overreacting or throwing a tantrum or whatever. I was just kind of like, this is shit. And I kind of just had to, I had no choice, but to, move on because you know you're still representing yourself and the the, the people you uh, work with you don't want to be the guy who's going around mm. kicking over chalk buckets uh you know <laughs> throwing a tantrum you, you and I don't think that's in me I don't think I have that in me really um it's not, it's not my personality to make an overly big deal of things like that stay classy I guess <laughs> <laughs> so did you watch the rest of the competition did you actually go and be a spectator or did you just not go back into the ground no i ended up watching um the rest of the competition because i i had been training with a few people that were still in it so i wanted to see how they did and i'd never been to the crossfit games even as a spectator so i thought i i thought well like what else am i going to do what the what the fuck else is there to do in madison wisconsin if you're not watching the crossfit games <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> absolutely nothing so uh and my girlfriend had come over so like she wanted to watch it so and it just made sense to stay and watch this you know who are the guys that you were training with have you got uh specific mates in the sport that you you cheer on yeah so at that time leading up because i was up in uh in training think tank in georgia i tra- i've been training with travis mayer noah olson and uh alessandra bocelli uh leading into that games for the three three weeks before because we could only get our uh visa kind of thing sorted last summer there was a big ban on other countries mm-hmm. traveling into the u.s and um, for every european and i guess international athlete outside the states um i think had a bit of a tough time getting access to the states eventually i think after a bit of a, a hounding from a lot of people crossfit stepped up and um got kind of like a visa exemption sort of thing but it only it was only like three weeks advance of the game in advance of the games so i was in georgia for three weeks we pretty much went straight away when i got us to train and then i was training with them for the the weeks in advance and they welcomed you with open arms yeah no they're all super sound they're all super nice people Um, i'll have nothing bad said about any of them they're uh really kind and um yeah. And they were just like, they come across as really nice. Yeah. I think most CrossFitters are really nice, you know, like, cause most people are training enough that their body's full of endorphins all the time. You know, they probably struggle to, to get angry at people. I would assume. It's looking um, pretty good for European men this year. There's a few, you and your contemporaries are definitely showing well on the leaderboard. Do you feel confident going into semifinals? Yeah, I don't think I have any reason not to feel confident going into semifinals. Um, you know, I, I feel if I just do the workouts as they're meant to be done, you know, fast and for time, I will uh, I will stack up eventually. Like, it's what's, what's tough in the off-season is you don't know where you stand at all because there's no measuring up against anyone. There's no ranking. Um, but then when it's cool to see quarterfinals after five tests where you stand um, it's good to know that okay well even just doing these workouts once or whatever and uh, whatever the circumstances may be well I, st- I still stack up 
on just my just my effort. So um, that's a nice confidence boost going into the next stage. Do you do you feel like you've got any weaknesses that you need to still work on, or are you pretty covered? Uh, I mean, you're trying obviously trying to be covered all the time, but um, yeah, I definitely do. I'd say just like keeping like I have funny looking arms when I go overhead. It doesn't look like my arms are even straight, but they are. Uh, they definitely are. Um, but um, yeah, just like positional stuff. I think it, when you're at this stage, just I don't think I have any glaring weakness that is just like uh embarrassingly mismatched or anything but i think you're always working on how how can i move better how can my how can my body like do movements better like especially for me it's the overhead stuff sometimes that i could probably just keep and i am but keep working on um, positions and that kind of stuff and i think then when you go to do that at max capacity you'll just find it easier because your body's not struggling as hard to keep a good position do you use like mobility um, protocols? What kind of stuff would you do daily to help with the overhead position? Yeah, so I do. Uh, I do a fair bit of banded stuff to try and keep my shoulder blades back. Because I guess years of doing martial arts, the only exercise you do is loads of push-ups, and you would always keep your hands in close up in front of your mm-hmm. face. So your upper back's kind of your shoulders are kind of hunched forward because you want your shoulders up to protect your chin from getting a smack on the side. So you're. Um, so that I kind of, and I was doing it from like my developing years. So you're like 12 to 18. So I, I've kind of, my posture is kind of forward. So I need to do a lot of stuff to keep my shoulders back and then whatever muscles are used in the upper back to keep your um, stuff overhead strong. So I do a lot of that band of stuff. And then I just put on my, the timer on my watch and I'll go through uh, stretches that I just feel I need to do like a couch stretch or glute stretch and bottom of a squat and those swap every one minute 90 seconds i try not to uh i just try and keep it simple oh i should say congratulations on your sponsors you just announced that you've got a new sponsor in puma yeah 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 thank you very much that's cool well done cheers yeah so i've been working with puma i think since last july uh, but they were a clothing and footwear sponsor now i'm going to just footwear with them because i have uh, taken on board um, my protein as a clothing sponsor and supplement sponsor so kind of rejigged slightly but i'm happy to be still working with puma do they make um like functional training shoes yes i honestly don't know much about their shoes oh yeah so they have the the puma fuse which is their uh functional training shoe um they ha- it's a it's their first edition shoe so if you look at most crossfit shoes like when their first one comes out like the metcon one or the nano one like they're not great the first time you know they they come out that you know it takes a few goes to get them pretty good you know but the thing with the puma fuse is they they got a, a very solid and very good shoe the, the first go round, which i think is a uh, commendable to them but they're coming out with the puma uh, fuse two this summer as well where, where, where is the company from Originally, I think it's uh, Germany, I think. Or oh, okay, so it's European. I think so, but I think a lot of it now is probably US-based. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I was asking, I was speaking to another athlete this morning, I was speaking to Lazar Dukic. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was telling me about um, like making sponsorship um, deals with brands and how important it is to have 
a management that helps you do that sort of thing. I know you're managed by Snorri and um, that he's uh, very active with his athletes. He's always showing them lots of love. Yeah. And I wondered if, uh, and I wondered um, like how, as a professional athlete, how difficult it is to be in, in that sort of situation where you're part of negotiations or do you just leave it all to your manager to deal with it? Oh, I try and leave it to Snorri as much as possible, especially if it's kind of like a new one and you don't know the people you're dealing with too well or anything. Like some of the sponsors I've been working with, I know the, the points of contact a little more and I could, I'd feel comfortable talking to them. But like, especially in the start, like Snorri is a big help to initiate those things. And to be fair, he's a big help all the time. Um, he's a very cool guy. He is. I like him. Yeah. I want to, I want to uh, give him a big hug. He's the, it looks very huggable oh, to me. I'd say that'd be a great hug. Yeah. Um, but what would be a red flag for you for a sponsor then? I mean, what would be something that you'd be like, no, nope, forget it, Snorri, it's not happening? What would hmm. be a business that you wouldn't be, what, or type of business that you wouldn't be into? Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good question. I think, I don't know about type of business, but I'd, I'd feel like any business that would want you to act more like an influencer than an athlete would put me right off. You know, I want to, you want to be um, supported for your athletics, you know, or your, your sporting goals and dreams and achievements, not because you're, you've got a, a good filter on Instagram and you can do a funny video, you know, like, or, or you're really good at talking to people and selling products on your stories. That's not something I want to be rated on or promoted promoted solely to do. I, I'd want my um, physical athletic achievements to be the driving force. I think that's a really good answer because it, because it seems to me like a lot of athletes feel like they have to post a lot on social media and, and get and continuously grow their following in order to be interesting to brands. But then talking to people like um, Gabriella Magawa, she had, she was approached by Nike um, after a regionals appearance and she didn't have many people following her on, in, on uh, social media at the time. And I, when I asked her, is it more important for you as a, as an athlete? She said exactly the same thing. It's like it's much more important to support me for what I can do rather than what I can say. Oh, that's that's a really good answer. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with that. I think it's uh, it's like it's, it's very hard for athletes to kind of be the business person and the athlete, mm-hmm. but it seems to be more and more that, like something that's put on put on you, is demanded of you to do all these different promotions on Instagram and to yeah. constantly tagging the brands and what have you. Yeah, I think it has to be done to an extent, but when it starts to um, to turn a corner of it's it's uh, more, you're giving more than what you're getting, and mm-hmm. I think that's when it, it changes a bit. Like I'm happy to tag, like it's very little effort to tag someone on Instagram, you know. But when you have to, if they're expecting you to, I don't know, tag them on every post or put up something each day of the week or I don't know, mm. come up with loads of ideas. I think then it's, if it's taken away from any of your training or time spent recovering or whatever you need to do for your athletic goals, I think then it's, um, it's uh, it needs to be addressed. 
Do you have any um, advice for younger athletes that are coming up through the teen through the teenage ranks now that you would say would be good for them to take heed of as they maybe look at becoming a professional CrossFit athlete in the future? Yeah, I think oftentimes, especially may well no, that not just males, but uh, for both for all people, um, I think when you're especially when you're developing you need to develop your strength and you can't develop your strength if you want to keep your six-pack uh all year round you know a lot of people are obsessed with being lean and thinking you know they're the business because they got a bit of a six-pack here and there but but then you look at their body weight and they're 60 kilos or something you know it's um you know you need to sacrifice that for a little bit um to you know you look at most crossfitters they're 85 kilos plus probably um you, that's step one you got to start to get the i guess the uh, attributes of a crossfitter first um and then i think it's just about um mental toughness i think i think mental toughness is the wrong word but like you just need to be able to there's no fairy tales in crossfit you know the people that make win the crossfit games are the people who are the biggest psychopaths who can handle the most pain they make it look like a fairy tale on the netflix documentary because there's background music going woo, and people screaming and stuff but like it's it's really a contest of of pain um so don't uh fall into any illusion that uh that if you train really hard on the day you go to the competition it'll feel easy it'll just feel just as hard or if not harder so be ready for um some discomfort <laughs> that's gold that's gold yeah. the um that, that's it's a competition of pain i never thought about it that that, that way actually <laughs> yeah you're dead i right. think it is because um, most what? athletes are all physically capable like there's there's it's very fine margins between true athletic ability it's it's then who's willing to just absolutely hurt themselves mm, suck it up yeah i guess and in I mean, on the on the field on the competition floor when you're getting ready for go time, what's going through your mind when you're kind of getting ready to compete? Yeah, I'm just you know you're thinking about okay, you're probably thinking about the workout and the like how it's going to feel. Okay, you, you don't want to trick yourself into thinking it'll feel easy, and then when you get out there, it feels hard. It might put you off. So you want to think about it. I almost think sometimes you got to think about worst case scenarios and. Because then anything that happens beyond the worst case scenario will feel like a bit more of a success. But honestly, I try to, I try, uh, you try and have a plan ahead of time and you try and just stick to the plan. But I kind of also want to just preserve my energy a bit. So I kind of try and let the the future version of myself who's going to be in the workout, I trust him that he'll handle the workout fine when the clock goes. There's no point in overthinking it too much ahead of time. Because you can overthink it and do as many warm-up rounds as as you can in the hour before or whatever and just tire yourself out. But if you honestly trust yourself as an athlete, you'll know that once the clock goes, the person who's right there and then really present at the moment of that final beep will uh, will will have it under their control. They'll know what to do. So you have to have a bit of faith in yourself. And I, I think the people who are start over doing it and doing too many warm-up rounds and you know they're like like slapping themselves in the face going you got this you know they're they're um, by the time they get out there they've probably played too many scenarios in their head that any when the, the slightest uh 
when the slightest thing goes wrong, they might panic and not know what to do. So if you just got to trust and follow, follow kind of your instincts of the person, your future version of yourself is going to be in that workout when it starts. Where did you learn that from? Is that through bitter experience or did somebody, did you just always know that you had like, it's like a real, really nice perspective on things and you've got a a sense of humor there as, as well. Does that come from experience or does it come from somebody teaching you how to do that? Uh, I think I've always just had a bit of a sense of humor about everything. Like, you know, I think when you come from martial arts, you can, you can, uh, what's funny about CrossFit is that when they announce a workout, there is far less variables in that workout than there are most other sports. So what I mean by that is when you go into fight someone, you could have visualized a thousand mm-hmm. things, but none of them might happen because it's not in your control of what happens. Someone's doing different things. They move a different way than you expected. They kick with their other leg. You know, it's just completely chaos. With CrossFit, there's exact reps and exact movements and an exact pattern to follow. It's about how fast you can follow that pattern. Um, so there's there's less variables, I guess. I, what was the question? I think I went off on the tangent there. <laughs> no, it was more just like how did you like how did you come to that sort of point of view? Because oh, yeah. that was very like it, well, but you've answered it because you said it, like it's much more predictable than you might expect. Yeah, it is kind of predictable. Once they announce the workout and go through the flow of it, it's nothing's going to change from that point on. It's it is what it is at that point. So um you you kind of know what has to happen. Um you're not, you know, it's it's not like you're going through the workout and at some point some guy's going to jump out and tackle you. Uh, then you might be a little more on edge than you would if it's just a straight-up workout. So, um, I th- yeah, I think that perspective is just... I think when you do enough workouts, you surprise yourself enough times with trusting yourself yeah. that it's it just kind of gets ingrained. So you knowing yourself is the key. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Thank you, Sam, for that. Really, I'm really, I wasn't expecting our conversation to take that philosophical <laughs> turn. Fair. Um, which, um, which competition do you, which semi-final do you fancy going to? Strength in depth or low level? Oh, uh, I don't really mind. Um, I think the, I think it'd be, uh, it's much of a muchness. They're about the same, they're all in the same time zone. Um, they're all uh, it's the Netherlands out of the time zone I'm not sure actually but it's close enough the flight's about the same distance um, I think I think maybe there's an advantage going to the Netherlands maybe if you want to get it mm. get it uh, done with you know it'd be over like you get to do three weeks before the other one or two weeks before the other one so yeah I think that's the big one mm. So you got longer to train for the games then if you qualified. That's true. The um the and then yeah that's that's they're so far apart between the two and um yeah John and I had a long chat about that the other day. Yeah. <laughs> about how um how the, it's, a, it's a complete training cycle virtually for for some people to go between the strength and depth and lowlands is quite a long time. Mm, that's true. But we shall see. Um, and also, final question: What were your favourite competitions to do outside of the games? More for fun and for money. Uh, for fun, money. Um, I've, I've I've been to Dubai twice, and I really enjoyed the Dubai competition. 
Um, uh, what did you like about Dubai? It's just so bizarre. Like you, uh, you, you're not going to get that at any other competition. Like running up a ski slope, swimming in the sea. Um, you know, it's just um, and just some of the events are kind of crazy, like the A jumps and all this kind of stuff. Like it's, mm-hmm. you just, you're just it's just so different. You know, you, if all CrossFit competitions were like the semifinals or the games, you'd get pretty bored of them. You know, it's, it's nice to do something that's a bit outside the box and a bit, um, just crazy. Uh, what other competitions in the past? And you made it to Waterpalooza. Waterpalooza is cool. It's, um, the thing about Waterpalooza. What was your name of your team again? Oh, we were the two and a half men, but then there turned out to be another two and a half men, um, for yes. a total of five men. Um, across a six people, a six people bracket. Um, but yeah, so they had to call us the Irish two and a half men because our team was all from Ireland. Um, I look like fun. Yeah, it was, that was really good fun. Now I really actually team of three, I think at Wadapalooza was really good. Um, the thing about Wadapalooza, it's so big. It's so big. There's nearly more people competing than there is watching. It's just, so you're just kind of, when you go to Dubai, you're one of 20 people. You're kind of like, treated as such i guess but in uh Wadapalooza, you're just a member of the crowd almost so um so that was the difference but i really enjoyed the team of three like it's uh it was really fun like being on a team you don't like you think it's going to be relaxing but then you're like i have to do it for the team you know you can't uh, let my team down so you <laughs> you know it was it was fun in that sense and um, other comps i did in the past that i enjoyed was i went to the french throwdown one year uh, and I went to the I went to the Lowlands Throwdown the year it was a sanctional, and I really enjoyed both of them those comps as well. What is it that makes a competition enjoyable for you, and what would take away from the fun? Uh, well, something that would take away from the fun is if each work if you're looking at the workouts and you think, well, this is over the top, or this is just this is the same style of workout each time, or like. You know, if you if you looked at the tests and thought, well, okay, these aren't these aren't very good. Um, these suit one type of athlete and one type of athlete only, or that kind of thing. Um, do you know, like I thought, if if a workout has uh, a well-rounded test, I also find at some competitions, if there's too many workouts, you start to lose the fun. Like if it's like nine events throughout a weekend, you're like, well, I'm kind of sick of this now. By the end, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like if it's like six or seven, it's like, okay, each one is a bit, has a bit more of a, a priority and a weight to it because it's more valuable, I guess, each event. Um, so I think, yeah, the number of events and the style, if it's, if it's well-rounded programming or not. Well, fingers crossed that the semi-final is a well-rounded event and fun. Yes, definitely. <laughs> fingers and toes crossed. That's... Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm excited to go to them, and I want to uh, enjoy myself watching all you fit people throw. Oh yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, excited to see some in in like in real life competition after a long break. Yeah, it's been... last time I saw an in, I can't remember the last time I saw a, a real a real life competition in CrossFit. Yes, yeah, because of where I live. It's been a while. Oh no, actually no. I remember I went to Madrid Championship last year, and it was hell it was really really busy it was like a workout in a migraine it was really really crazy. we had a, a my yeah. training partner was on a team at that competition and said it was it was quite he said it was just great to be doing a competition i think is yeah is what he was saying he was just 
constant, constant move, movement, so many teams, and it was just conf- really confusing what was going on. So yeah, I hope that I think from a spectator's point of view, a, a, a competition is fun and enjoyable if you know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you, and like getting updated with the leaderboard all the time, so you know, yeah, what's, that's you know, important. Who's where that's really important, like the tech support, or even if it's just a list on a wall, I don't mind. I want to know who's placed where, and I want to know who, you know, who, mm. how everyone's doing. And I think, I think also, to oh, me. totally. And I think mid-workout, it's important to see who's winning. If the workout, especially on teams, I think sometimes when it's the workouts was a big cluster of people. You have no idea who's in the lead, who's who's mm, winning, yeah. who's who's doing what. Um, is anyone doing anything at all? <laughs> you know, so yeah. uh, like those old regionals workouts back the way the floor was laid out and everything would progress up the floor and you could clearly see who's advancing. You know, that's I think that's um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there for people programming um, events and especially team events. Yeah, so it was a genius move when they did that because I mean that's the, the, a lot of uh, lateral thinking. Is it lateral thinking? I'm not certain which kind of thinking it is, but it was um, like really clever that how to like, communicate to everyone sitting watching mm. who's actually in the league. Yeah. So otherwise, it's not a it's not a spectator sport, is it? <laughs> no. It's uh, impossible to watch. Anyway. Um, I wish you all the best for the season. Thank you so much for talking to me. I'm really pleased that you could spare the time and I hope to see you. I guess I want to see you at Lowlands so you get so you get it done. Yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, this was a great conversation. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sam. It was great to talk to you. Best of luck at semis. If you're enjoying the podcast please give it a five-star review wherever you listen subscribe and share it with your friends it all helps until next time thanks for listening and bye bye don't miss the next episode subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts europe is coming is a program production and hosted by vicky mcleod